0: Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome back once again to the Corner of Truth and Courage. Yesterday I was kind of giving you some of my thoughts about the shooting that happened here last week in Texas, just some other thoughts that, um, you know, I, I believe we've got to really get to the root of the problem sometimes you know we we miss it we we treat the symptoms it's like putting a band-aid on someone who has cancer well that's not going to fix it you know you can pour you know all kinds of you know medicine on them and and stuff there until you get to the root of the problem you're not going to heal the body you can treat it but you 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 want to heal it and our problem in our nation with these shootings and all these things, as I said yesterday, is isn't the guns and it isn't, you know, the, the politicians don't have the answer. Our schools and uh, courts and uh, halls of learning and everything else, the, the the answers aren't there. The answer's in the church house. And what we've got to get back to are the things of god as i said yesterday guns have been with our children for years and years and years in this country uh, there's plenty of proof and uh, pictures of children being taught how to operate guns in schools it's very common here in america for teenagers driving in their truck to have a gun on their gun rack at church, at at school it wasn't uncommon and uh, but the shootings, and I did a study on this uh, some about three, four years ago when there was another one of these shootings, and started looking at the you know when did this all start? And it started after like the year after we took prayer out of our schools, when we when we ejected God from our schools, we removed the moral conscience in our uh, amongst our children. And we've been raising now a couple of generations of kids that know not God. They don't understand the Ten Commandments because we made that illegal. We've removed, you know, a a figure of, 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 of right and wrong, of an absolute. There was a time that we absolutely knew what was right and wrong because God told us so. Now it's every man does that which is right in his own eyes. And we're teaching kids in these schools that they came from animals, and so it shouldn't surprise us when they start acting like animals. And so where does the blame properly go? I mentioned it yesterday, and I, I couldn't remember uh, Charles Finney. I knew he was you know one of the preachers of our Second Great Awakening who had made this quote and saying that the pulpit is responsible for it. And I've got that quote for you. It was actually something he wrote back in 1873. It was published in The Independent in New York, December the 4th. And his article that he submitted, he, he wrote a lot. He was a religious writer and very involved in God used him in a great way uh, during the revival of the, you know, uh, 1820s and 1830s a very very well-known preacher and he wrote this called the decay of conscience and he opens the article with this that rings and frauds of, of villain uh, uh, villainies in high and low places among all ranks of men are are most alarming and one of the most compel and, and one is most compelled to ask can anybody be safely trusted then he asks his question now, what is the cause of this degeneracy? How do we degenerate to this state in this land in this country? And we're asking the same question today. You know, how, I mean, how low can we go? Well, back then, they, you know, in the 1870s, uh, um, when he wrote, the things going on in in the country then were alarming then, but they, they would be. Overwhelmingly shocking to the people of that day if if what we saw was going on today back then. I mean, the Bible is so true when it says that men wax worse and worse. And so where is the cause of this degeneracy? Then he goes in his article and he starts picking blame and placing blame and laying blame at the foot of the American preacher. Preachers are no longer preaching the law and preaching judgment, is what he was saying in his article. And there's been a decay of conscience in the people of America. If, if, um, if America is to be alert to right and wrong, it must come from the pulpits of America that's going to be preaching God's word. And here's what he said, brethren, our preaching will bear its legitimate fruits, If immorality prevails in the land, the fault is ours in a great degree. If there is a decay of conscience, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public press lacks moral discrimination, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the world loses its interest in Christianity, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in our halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible for it. If our politics become so corrupt that the very foundations of our government are ready to fall away, the pulpit is responsible for it. Wow. And we wonder where the blame is. The blame largely lies at the feet of preachers here in America. And I've been saying this for over a decade. Sadly, in most of the pulpits of America, they're being filled with men that are cowards. They have a backbone of a banana peel. And they're afraid to speak the whole counsel of God's word because it might offend. It might upset some of their tithers, some of their givers. And when that happens, I'm here to tell you, when you have a preacher who's afraid to offend people in his church to speak the truth about sin and what's going on and call it out for what it is, and if they're afraid to do so, you don't have a preacher there, you have a hireling. He's just hired to do a job and tickle the ears of the people because that's what's happening. We're giving chicken soup messages, and as I read yesterday, about Todd Starnes, what is it? Forty-seven percent of millennials don't care, don't know, don't even, you know, know if there is a God. And this should not be a surprise because our churches are turning into uh, entertainment places, as he called it, and and uh, and our worship leaders are are you know acting like they want to be the next American Idol. We're entertaining and not preaching the truth, and it should grieve our heart. And if you've got a preacher who steps on your toes, uh, thank God for him. That's what we need. When I go to church, when I'm, when I'm not preaching and I, I'm there, I want someone to challenge me and encourage me to live right. And if there's areas of my life that's not right with God, I want my toes to be stepped on. I need to be convicted. And Sometimes we're afraid to speak the truth. Let me move on to some other things that I wanted to share with you here today. On Fridays, I started this last week. Some things that I saw on the Internet that I thought was kind of interesting or, you know, in a book or something there that I um, thought I'd cut and put aside there and share with you there. Someone posted this graphic. I thought it was very good. On one side, you see like a battery at full charge, 100%. And, uh, and above that, it says, many people always have their cell phones like this at 100%. Then on the next to it there, you've got a person down on his knees praying. And there, like a cell phone, it says 10%. And their spiritual life is like this. <coughs> we have our cell phones on at 100%. We dare not let our cell phone die. Oh, man, that would be terrible. So we charge that up Daily. But we're not charging up our spiritual life with prayer. We're more concerned about our cell phone than we are about our about our spiritual life. My wife pointed this out to me uh, and I want to share this with you. I made a graphic and I put it on my Facebook page. I think it's quite interesting, especially the verse where you see this. Do you know what an emoji is? An emoji is a, you know, punctuation that's used to make a uh, an emotional picture, an emoji. You know, these uh, happy face, you know, you got a colon uh, and then a smile and then a winky face would, you know, wink is uh, someone who's got a semicolon with a smile. And And this emoji is actually in our Bible and it's in a very interesting place. And if you have a King James Bible, look this verse up. Write this down. John chapter 2, verse 9. John chapter 2, verse 9. You might go to look at this a little later, or look at it now if you got a Bible handy. John chapter 2, verse 9. Let me read this verse to you. When the ruler of the feast, this is when Jesus is at the wedding in Cana, and he turns the water into wine, and he tells the servants to go and serve this to the governor. This is what's uh, now we're at verse number nine, and when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, uh, colon, then a parenthesis. We go into a parenthesis statement. But the servants which drew the water knew. Then you have a semicolon and the close of that parenthesis. So it makes a an emoji a, a wink the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. So in other words, it's kind of funny. His interest is placed right at the point that you, if you were going to put in an emoji, this is where you would put it. Uh, So, you know, they're serving the water to the governor of the feast there, and he's drinking, tasting the wine, and he knew not when it came from, but the servants which drew it, drew the water, knew. And so what they're serving is water, but as they served it, it turned into wine. And in a miracle of the Lord, his first, actually. Here's another graphic that I'll, uh, or uh, something else I'll share with you. Someone posted this graphic. It's kind of, well, you got a snake that's coiled around a saw blade and it's hurting him. He's squeezing it because it's cutting him. And the more it cuts him, the more he attacks it and squeezes it more, and the more he is being injured in the process. So you see this, you know, picture of a snake, you know, wrapped around this saw and, you know, getting cut in blood and stuff. And when I saw that, I thought, wow. And I posted this. This is a great illustration of how bitterness destroys the one who has it. Bitterness towards uh, another person for their pain can bring you great injury. I've said this before. Bitterness is like drinking rat poison, hoping that the rat will die. It doesn't work. You're the one who gets harmed if you have the bitterness. And just like this snake, what does it need to do? He needs to let it go. If he lets it go his problems will be over. But if he continues to fight with it, it's going to claim its life. And the same thing for us, if we hold on to our bitterness, it will claim our life too. Well, folks, that's going to be it for today and for the week. Hope you'll join us again next Monday at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.